0: We all stand together and honor the man of the Lord tonight. Appreciate Brother Sanford, man, his ministry and the work that he's willing to do for the kingdom of God as an evangelist, part of the FIFO ministry. Love and appreciate him tonight, willing to come and to preach unto us. We love him, only to come, obey the Lord. He's got plenty of time. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit here tonight. God bless him.
1: Uh, let's give the Lord some praise in the house tonight. Come on, all over this house, why don't we just fill this room? Uh, Fill this room with praise right now that will get heaven's attention. In the midst of 2020, he's still worthy of our praise. Uh, In the midst of a pandemic, he's still worthy of our praise. In the midst of chaos in Washington, he's still worthy of our praise. And in the midst of what we all are dealing with, personally, he's still worthy of praise. Amen. Well, this is the last service of 2020, I believe. And you know what? Everything that's gone wrong this year and everything that's gone on and, and uh, is continuing to go on, I think the best way to put an end to this year would just to be just to have a great apostolic Holy Ghost filled service tonight. What better way to end this turbulent year than having victory in the house? Amen. And I've always heard that what you finish the year doing is what you'll most likely do the next year. And so what better way to end this year than being in the house of the Lord and being in his presence? Amen. If I could have a couple of men to help me real quick, Uh, just anybody that wants to help me is fine, just a couple of guys. And uh, just pass those out, and I promise you there, uh, there will be a method to the madness here momentarily. And uh, while they're doing that, uh, I'm going to Matthew chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, and uh, I'll read one verse tonight. And uh, as you're finding that this evening, would like to uh, once again give honor to the leadership of this church, I uh, love and respect and give honor to Brother and Sister Moore and uh, the work that they're doing in this great church and uh, the work that they're continuing to doing. And, um, you know, I, I'm privileged to go a lot of places, and I'm, I'm privileged to stand behind a lot of pulpits. And uh, I can't think, and I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I said, I can't think of another man and wife that I preach for that I respect more. And uh, not because I'm here saying that, that's not why I'm saying that, but uh, every time I, I get here early on a Sunday morning or if it's a Sunday night or a Wednesday night and I get er- here early and uh, I walk through those doors to go to the evangelist quarters to finish preparing for the service, uh, Brother and Sister Moore's is already here and most of the time they're in there praying and uh, and I'm, I'm, f- I'm thankful uh, to be able to stand by on a pulpit uh, of pastor and his wife that loves people and loves and believes in the power of prayer. Amen. And I give them honor tonight and also everybody that's in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for being in church on a Wednesday night. Amen. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, Uh, leading up to this one verse, we understand that uh, if you know the setting of the text, uh, the disciples had been unable to cast a demon out of a boy. And uh, we pick up in verse number 20 because the disciples ask in verse 19, uh, why could we not cast him out? And then verse number 20, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Jesus says, if you look at your mountain, and if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And The Bible says, it shall remove. And nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. I believe the Lord wants to do something supernatural and miraculous in this house in the next few moments. And so because of that, I've come to preach what I feel like the Lord has put into my spirit to preach for just a few moments. This will probably be the most simplistic sermon you will ever hear in your life. But I believe the Lord's going to honor His Word in the next few moments if we'll mix our faith with His Word. Everybody got your paperclip that I passed out? I know probably everybody's confused about what that is. Uh, But don't throw it away just yet because we're going to get to it. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about paperclip faith. Paperclip faith. And if you've got a need in the house tonight, I know we've already prayed for some, but if you've got a need in this house, regardless of how small or big the need may be, I want us to lift our hands one more time in this house. And I want you to lift your knee up to the Lord before we get into His Word. And why don't we join together in prayer one more time before we're seated. God, we love you tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Why don't you let your faith rise as your hands are lifted? In Jesus' name. Lord, every need that's in this house, I pray that nothing would be impossible to those that have need in this room tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together one more time? Why don't you give the Lord a great shout of praise before you're seated? Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. If it's all right, let's just talk about faith for a few moments in this house. If you and I began to study themes in the Word of God, we would quickly realize that as we open that book, that faith is one of the more prominent themes found written within the pages of that Bible. Faith is such a vital element in our walk with God that the Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. So can I also take it a step further and tell us that faith is also a vital part of our salvation. I'm sure that I could ask the majority of every person in this room tonight what it takes to be saved, and I'm sure the majority of us would quickly run to Acts 2 and 38 and we would quote the words of Peter when he tells us that we must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and then we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But can I tell everybody in this room tonight that before that aspect of salvation begins faith must be present uh, because that's why God's word continues by telling us uh, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is uh, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him Uh, so that tells me before I ever pray for God to forgive me brother Moore uh, there's got to be a faith in my life that believes uh, the moment I repent God is going to forgive me Uh, and the moment before we ever step foot that baptistry and had our sin washed away. uh, Faith had to be established first to tell us uh, that there's something more that happens than just getting wet uh, in that baptismal tank. But I've got faith to believe uh, that God is going to remove and wash away my sins. Uh, And can I also tell us that before we lifted our hands uh, and God filled us with the Holy Ghost, uh, faith had to be established uh, and we had to understand that if I lift my hands, uh, God's going to fill me with his spirit because he that cometh to God must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We understand tonight that faith is the tangible of the intangible things we trust God to do for us. That means faith is that thing that we hold on to when we're waiting to hold on to our miracle. Faith is the consolation that we lean on before we have the consolation our answer will bring us. Faith is the evidence that you need while hoping for the supernatural things that you need. That's why the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So let's talk about faith tonight, if it's all right. Can I tell us as we begin this evening what faith is not? Faith, real faith, is not some psycho denial of reality or some warped mentality that tries to imagine things into existence can I tell us that real faith is not some little engine that could that forces God to do things that he never intended to do in the first place can I tell us that faith genuine faith is not some check our brain at the door and God will bless our ignorance that's not what faith is I understand where I need to go tonight but I need to tell everybody in this house that when you open that Bible and you begin to read from the Genesis to the Revelation you would be quick to realize that faith is one of the most exciting concepts in the entire Word of God. I don't believe Pastor Moore that there's anything more uplifting to a weary heart and a desperate soul than to hear a preacher stand in a pulpit and proclaim that God can and God God will and God is able. I understand that I told you that without faith it's impossible to please Him. But at the same time, there's a flip side to that coin. Because yes, without faith you cannot please God. But at the same time, with faith, blinded eyes can be opened. And with faith, cancers can be cured. And with faith, deaf ears can be opened. And with faith, diabetes can be disintegrated oh you ought to thank God for faith right now Uh, can I tell somebody with faith uh, broken bones can be mended uh, and how blood pressure can be halted Uh, with faith broken homes uh, can be restored uh, and arthritis can be annihilated Uh, can I tell somebody with faith uh, headaches can be healed uh, and tumors can vanquish Uh, can I tell somebody tonight uh, that with faith uh, asthma can be conquered uh, and maladies can be remedied Uh, oh I know it's a Wednesday night and it's a midweek service but somebody ought to thank God for what can happen and what will happen when faith enters the house oh without faith you can't please God but at the same time if faith is present confusion can be vanquished and there's not a devil God cannot take care of with faith there's no pain that God cannot punctuate there's nothing that God cannot do it's why your Bible tells us now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I wish somebody right now would just wrap your mind around that concept With faith, anything is possible. With faith, God can move. I understand it's simplistic and it's cliche, but I've come to remind somebody that if faith is in the house, God's about to work and God's about to move because when faith is present, anything can and anything will happen. Thank God for faith, Pastor Moore thank God for faith brother Troy because I understand it doesn't matter how hopeless it may seem it doesn't matter how long I've been sick it doesn't matter what the doctor may have told me if faith is present God's about to step down and he's going to meet me at my measure of faith I wish somebody in this house would get it right now settled that I'm about to let my faith be released on a Wednesday night midweek service God can heal my body and God can answer my prayers and God and save my family that's what happens when there's faith but it's here where I need to tell us that if you and I are not careful we can make the mistake of thinking that the bigger the need is the bigger my faith has to be as well Can I preach right now and tell us that we can find ourselves staring at impossibilities, facing things that are beyond our control, trying to navigate through uncharted waters, and it's our human reasoning, and it's our human intellect that tries to tell us that if God's going to move, my faith must equal the size of what my need is. If we're not careful, we can look at the situations, and we can look at the problems, and we can look at all the circumstances circumstances uh, and we can see how big and impossible they may seem Uh, and if we're not careful uh, we can convince ourselves that before God ever moves uh, my faith has to be such a great size you see in our westernized mind in America we tend to believe that bigger is better we live in a land that promotes bigger is better We want bigger beds. We want bigger vehicles. We want bigger homes. And the fact is there's nothing wrong with that. But that's how America operates. It's our lifestyle. It's our culture. This is how our westernized American minds work. And if we are not careful, that mindset can bleed over into our walk with God. And we can convince ourselves that our faith in God has to be a certain size before God ever moves. Listen, I've come to tell everybody in this house, I know there's needs in the room. I know there's situations you need God to take care of, but if we are not careful, we can look at how big they are and we can convince ourselves that my faith has to be a certain size before God ever gets off the throne. But the reality is that's not the case at all when you open that Bible and begin to read because as you begin to read in your Bible you would be quick to realize that God has never required our faith to equal the size of our need. Maybe this is why in Matthew chapter 13 Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed. It's amazing to me that Jesus likens his kingdom to a grain of a mustard seed. Put your mind around it. With everything the kingdom of heaven would bring, uh, salvation, uh, deliverance, uh, miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, look at all the miracles and the supernatural acts uh, that the kingdom of heaven would bring to this earth. Uh, you would think that Jesus would reference it to, to something a little more spectacular than a mustard seed. I mean, really, why would Jesus compare his kingdom to a mustard seed? A mustard seed is nothing big. It's nothing grand. A mustard seed does not catch your attention if you're walking by it on the road because the fact is it's just... A mustard seed. They're small and they're insignificant and they're unnoticed. But then again, four chapters later, from Matthew 13 to now Matthew 17, our text, Jesus is again speaking to his disciples. And look closely now. He looks at his disciples and says, Boys, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. And again, Jesus again references a mustard seed. But this time he's not talking about the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus makes it personal when he says, boys, if you've got a mountain in front of you, all you have to have is faith as a mustard seed. Mustard seeds, they tell me, are... One of the tiniest, most insignificant seeds found in the entire Middle East if you were to find a mustard seed and I preach for a pastor uh, that has a mustard seed and a little vial on his desk Pastor Moore uh, and he tells me that if you were to measure that mustard seed uh, it would only equal one to two millimeters in length uh, because the fact is there's nothing much to a mustard seed uh, they're not big and they're not grand uh, and they're not eye catching uh, but the disciples are told to look at their mountain uh, and Jesus likens that mountain uh, to everything in life that you and I will face. So what good is a mustard seed when you're staring at a mountain? Why is Jesus telling me uh, about mustard seed faith uh, when I'm staring at a mountain uh, and I understand the context of the Scripture was this. uh, The disciples were not really trying to climb the mountain, uh, but Jesus uses it as an analogy uh, to circumstances you and I will go through. uh, And Jesus was saying, boys, uh, there's going to be some mountains uh, that come your way. Uh, There's going to be some impossibilities uh, that stare you in the face. uh, And all you've got to have His faith as a mustard seed. So the question tonight is, why did Jesus refer to faith and his kingdom to a mustard seed? The second question is, what are we going to do with this paperclip? Everybody got your paperclip? You're welcome for that. (laughs) You can't ever say, I've never given you anything. That's a small, insignificant paperclip to most of us, if not all of us. When I passed out that paperclip, Brother Moore, I didn't see anybody run the aisles. <laughs> when you got that paperclip from them gentlemen, I didn't see anybody jump up and down. I didn't see anybody tried to hold the chair because you were so excited you're about to fall over. Because the fact is, that's not much to get excited over. In fact, on my way here tonight, I stopped at your Dollar General. And I bought a hundred of them things for one dollar. So the worth of that paperclip is a penny. Because the truth is, there's not much value in that, is it? Paperclips are almost useless for the most part. In fact you probably couldn't even hold four or five pieces of paper with that small paper clip. Uh, and the truth is, there's not much worth to those paper clips. Uh, there's not much value in that paper clip. Uh, I'm sure most of you have already thought, you know what, I'm going to throw this out before I go home. Uh, because the reality is, uh, that's not much to get excited about. Uh, but somebody, Brother Moore, should have told Kyle McDonald that. He was at this time, when I read this article a few months ago, He was 26 years old, and it would happen in 2005 uh, because, according to the article, uh, Michael or Kyle McDonald was a Montreal native. uh, And in 2005, according to the story that I read, uh, Kyle McDonald one day was sitting at a desk uh, and began to look over the desk that he was sitting at uh, when all of a sudden a red paperclip in the corner of his desk uh, caught his attention. uh, And McDonald picks up that paperclip, that red paperclip. uh, and he begins to look over that paper clip uh, and the thought enters his mind, I wonder how much this paperclip is worth. And so Carl McDonald decides to put the paperclip on Craig's list to see what he could get for that paperclip in a trade. He would later go on to say that my plan was uh, to make a continuous chain of trade ups uh, until I get my own house. Uh, He said, I'm gonna start out with a paperclip and I'm gonna do my best to try to trade up multiple times uh, in order to get a house. Uh, And so the story goes that Kyle McDonald uh, puts the paperclip on Craigslist and immediately he gets a response. Uh, There were a couple of women who lived in Vancouver uh, who said, we will trade you that paper clip uh, for a fish-shaped pen. Uh, and so the trade happened. Uh, and now Kyle has went from a paper clip uh, to a fish-shaped pen. Uh, and so he continues. Uh, and he's able to trade the pen uh, for a doorknob from a potter in Seattle. Uh, now at first it was a paper clip. Uh, and then it went to a pen. Uh, and now Kyle's got a doorknob uh, until a man in Massachusetts uh, traded him that doorknob uh, for a camp stove. Uh, he then traded the camp stove uh, to a U.S. Marine sergeant uh, for a 100-watt generator. Uh, Then in Queens, New York, uh, he exchanges the generator uh, for a party kit. Uh, He exchanges the party kit uh, for a snowmobile uh, courtesy of uh, a Montreal radio host. Uh, He started out as a paperclip, and now Kyle's got a snowmobile. But he doesn't care about snowmobiles. So he puts it back on Craigslist. Somebody contacts him and says, I'll trade you that snowmobile for an afternoon with Alice Cooper. And so since he didn't care about hanging out with Alice Cooper, he puts it back on Craigslist. And he trades an afternoon with Alice Cooper for a Kiss snow globe until just a couple of days later, a man by the name of Corbin Brunson contacts Kyle and says, I'll give you a role in one of my movies if you give me that snow globe. That seems like a large trade-off, a role in a movie for a snow globe until you realize this man was an avid snow globe collector. And so Kyle makes the trade Trade again until fourteen trades in all. He started out as a paperclip, and now he can appear in his first movie. But because Kyle doesn't care about being in a movie, he puts it back on Craigslist. And then a few days passes, and the city of Kipling, Saskatchewan, Canada, contacts Kyle and says, we will trade you that role in that film for a farmhouse for the role of that film. He said, why would you trade me a house for a role in the movie? And they said, you don't understand. Our economy is tanking. And if we can open up this movie role for auditions, it'll pour money into the economy. And they said, you know what? Not only will we give you a farmhouse, but we will give you a key to the entire city. Now listen, he starts out with just a red paper clip. But now Kyle has a farmhouse uh, and a key to that entire city uh, and Pastor Moore there's people all over the world uh, 15 years later uh, who say they have paper clips on their desk uh, or paper clips by their computers uh, that reminds them every day uh, that anything is possible uh, and nothing is impossible uh, this man Kyle uh, a Montreal native uh, he attracted worldwide news and coverage uh, because he took a paper clip uh, and got a house out of it uh, you may wonder as a preacher going tonight, I've come to ask somebody in this house, what do you think God would give you in an exchange for the little bit of faith you brought to this house tonight? You may be sitting in this room right now and your faith may not be much to brag about. Your faith may be small, but I've come to challenge somebody in this house. Why don't you just take what you got and why don't you give it to God and there can be an exchange. There, I wish somebody right now would just understand I may not have a lot of faith, but I've got enough. It may not be big, but what I've got is enough. I'm preaching to people right now. Some of you are in this house uh, and you're worried uh, and you're fretting uh, and there's situations you've stared at all year. uh, But I've come to give you a small paperclip to remind you uh, anything is possible uh, and nothing is impossible. Uh, You may just have a mustard seed size faith, uh, but there's a song that says faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Uh, You may not have a whole lot. Uh, I've come to tell somebody uh, use what you got uh, and there can be a trade off. Uh, There can be an exchange if you take what you have. Oh, I know there may be mountains standing before us. I know there may be sycamore trees that are rooted down so deeply that Jesus later references. And it may seem like nothing's going to get out of their way. But the Bible says before Jesus tells his disciples about that mustard seed faith, there's a man whose family was under an attack. He was facing a mountain of impossibilities, but I've come with the word from God to tell somebody. Jesus looked at that man in his hopelessness and said, "I'm about to make a way where there seems to be no way." And what God God done for him uh, he can do for you in this house uh, if you'll just take what you've got uh, if you'll take your faith uh, there's no telling what God would give you uh, in that exchange may not be a lot God wants somebody to know just take what you've got give it to me because he that cometh to God must believe. It didn't say how much you gotta believe, it didn't put a minimal s- uh, size on how little you gotta believe. He just says, He that cometh to God, you gotta believe. And I'm telling somebody in this house, uh, you may have stared at mountains all year. Uh, you may have been facing things from years in the past. Uh, there may be uncertainties going in your next year, uh, but I've come to tell somebody uh, on the last service of this year, uh, it doesn't matter how big your faith is, uh, just give him what you got, uh, just bring him what you got. You brought to church and watch God step in and watch God move. I wish somebody would throw their hands up right now and say, God, here it is. Here's the faith that I have. Listen, I'll be honest. I'll be the first one that's honest tonight. Tell everybody in this room, there's days that I wake up, Pastor, when my faith is not large and in charge. That's reality. Every one of us in this room are human. The fact is, there's days that you and I wake up and doubt tries to creep in. Unbelief tries to knock on the door. I remember of July 2018, one of the greatest trials I'd ever personally been through. I believe I've mentioned it in passion here before, but there was about an 18 to 21-month period in my family's life when tragedy after tragedy after tragedy began to strike. And I remember when Cade, my youngest son, was born. He was born two months early, and because of that, his lungs did not fully develop, and so he was unable to breathe on his own. And so they rushed him to Lebanon in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's a touch-and-go situation. For seven days, uh, they didn't know if he was going to pull out of it. Uh, they didn't know. They told me, "Sir, we don't know if you're going to leave here uh, with your baby alive." Now, remember, in those seven days, brother Moore, my faith had never come under an attack like it did in those seven days in Lebanon. I remember waking up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning when I did get some sleep, Brother Troy. And the enemy would be in my room looking at my son in that cubicle they had. Uh, wires going in his mouth. Tubes and IVs and all these things going everywhere. And I remember the enemy would be in that hospital room uh, and these images would begin to come in my mind. He would tell me, your son's going to die. You preach healing everywhere else, but your son's going to die. You've seen miracles other places, but your son's going to die. And for those seven days, uh, my faith was low. Uh, for seven days, my faith... And never been under that kind of an attack. But I'll tell you what got me through it. <laughs> Leaving New Albany Hospital the night Cade was born. As the ambulance pulls out to go to Le boner, I'm leaving my wife at that hospital to go into emergency surgery. Uh, my other children are scattered everywhere else. Uh, all these things are just piling on top of me. Uh, and I pull out, get behind that ambulance to go to Le Bonner. Uh, when all of a sudden a pastor friend of mine from Texas calls me at uh, 1130 at night. Uh, and he says, man, I hope I'm not bothering you. Uh, he had no idea what was going on. Uh, he said, but I was praying just a few moments ago. Uh, and God put you and your family on my heart. Uh, and he said, God spoke to me. He said. I know it's simplistic. He said but God spoke to me as clearly as I'm talking to you. He said you call Adrian Sanford and tell him everything's going to be all right." And yes my faith was low pastor. And yes my faith was under an attack. But I walked out of that hospital understanding I may not have a lot of faith but I still had some left and what I had left was enough and I'm telling somebody in this room you've got more faith than you're giving yourself credit for. You ought to take what you God, and lift your hands and say, God, it may not be much, but here's what I have. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now trying to move in this house. Listen, God's power is not dictated by how big or small your faith is. Jesus said, it may be as small as a mustard seed, but give it to me. It may be a millimeter in length, but give it to me. I wish somebody in this house would take your faith by the hand and say, God, I'm bringing it. I'm about to make a trade. I'm about to exchange. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It may be a paperclip clip size faith, but God can heal your body. It may be as small as a mustard seed, but God can save your family. It may be small, but God can answer prayers because it doesn't matter how small it is. Just bring in what you got. Your Bible says, Every man is given the measure of faith. That tells me whenever a person in this world is born, God has given them the measure of faith. I don't know how big or small that measure is, but God says the moment you take your first breath, you've got the measure. You've got enough to believe me for anything. Now it's up to us to let that faith grow and mature. But let's be honest. There's some days our faith is in the valley. There's some days our faith is diminished. There's some days our faith has taken a hit. But I'm telling somebody in this house, it doesn't matter how little your faith is or how diminished it may seem. If you've got some faith, God says that's enough. Because he that cometh to God must believe. Just give him what you got. It may be a mustard seed size faith. But God says, watch me do the miraculous. Don't disqualify yourself tonight because your faith is not on the mountain. It's amazing because God has always used those insignificant things in that Bible. Doesn't your Bible say he took a small cruise of oil and he paid off the debt for that lady? Doesn't your Bible say he fed 5,000 men plus women and children with just five loaves and two fish? Listen, you may have walked in this house and your faith may be that size right now. Oh, but what could God do in this house if you just gave him what you got? Without faith, it's impossible. We know that. But as long as you've got faith, it's enough. He did not put limitations nor restrictions on your faith. I'm telling somebody in this house, Kyle took a paper clip and he got a house out of it and you can give God your faith tonight and God can blow your mind because it's not about how big it is look at that mountain boys it's a big mountain I'll tell you what's going to move that mountain it's not mountain sized faith it's mustard seed faith how many times are we like the disciples in Luke 17 and I'm done the disciples asked the question that I'm sure all of us have asked. Lord, increase our faith. Surely I'm not the only one that's been in trials. and. Cir- i tell you what, in those 21 months of my son being born premature, not sure if he's going to live or die, I thought he was dead when he was born. He was solid purple, not breathing. To my wife having emergency surgery, to 11 hospitalizations, to losing my sister-in-law in in a head-on collision two weeks before Thanksgiving two years ago, nieces being born with all kind of... I can tell you right now, there were times in that year-and-a-half to two-year span that I said, Lord, my faith ain't big enough for all this. Increase my faith. But look at what Jesus says back to his disciples when they said, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus says again, if you have faith as a mustard seed, This is Sanford interpretation and theology. This is what I think Jesus was saying, Brother Moore. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Make it bigger. Jesus says, have faith the size of a mustard seed. In other words, I believe Jesus was telling those people, you don't need bigger faith. Just use the faith that you have. Because it's not a size issue when it comes to your faith. It's an availability issue. Are you going to give him what you got? Moses stands before a burning bush. The burning bush begins to speak out to Moses. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I've heard their cry. Moses begins to give him all the excuses in the world as to why he can't do it. I'm slow of speech. I can't talk good. Get Aaron to do it. And after Moses gives God every excuse as to why he can't do it, it's almost like God says, I know you can't do it. That's why I'm going to do it. Then God speaks to Moses. And he asks the question, what's in your hand, Moses? Moses looks down and it's his staff. God speaks to him and says, take that staff, throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. God says, pick it back up. He picks it up. It's amazing that before Moses throws his staff on the ground, it's called the staff of Moses. But after he throws it on the ground at God's command and picks it up, it's now called the staff of the Lord. Because what you have in your hand matters. It's amazing that that staff would become very instrumental in the life of Moses and Israel. Because he would take that same staff. The Bible says he would part the Red Sea. In fact, seven of the ten plagues involved that staff. That's the same staff that Moses would lift up. And as long as his hands were lifted with that staff of authority, the Israelites prevailed in their battle. But it only happened because he took what was in his hand and gave it to God. And I'm asking everybody in this house, if you've got your paperclip, I'm asking you what's in your hand right now. Everybody lift your hands right now all over this house. And I want you to take that paperclip that's in your hand if you got it. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost trying to burst its way in this room right now. I feel the Holy Ghost asking the same question what he asked to Moses all the way back. What's in your hands? Come on, God's ready to heal somebody in this room right now. I'm not trying to hype this up to make it something that it's not, but I'm telling you what I felt driving down here this afternoon. The Holy Ghost is ready to pour out the supernatural on every person in this room that's willing to give Him what you got. Come on, if you need a healing in your body, why don't you throw your hands up right now? And why don't you just receive the healing God's got for you? Come on, regardless of what your need is, I want you to take that faith that you got right now. No, it may not be as big as it was this time last week. Your faith may have suffered some in 2020, but I've come to encourage somebody in this house, don't disqualify yourself because your faith is small. You've got enough faith still, and I wish somebody right now would challenge yourself. Throw your hands up and claim what you need God to do right now. If it's a healing, claim it. If it's a miracle claim it if it's a prayer being answered claim it just take what god has given you Come on, if you feel comfortable right now, I want you to connect with somebody. If you feel comfortable to get close, I want you to connect to somebody right now. Because if any two or three agree on anything under heaven, I've come to you right now, God's in the midst right now. God's in the midst right now. I know it's a Wednesday night, but God's working right now. Not because of a preacher, but because somebody understands. I've got enough faith. I've still got enough for what I believe God for. Come on, reach out right now, I'm done preaching. this is between you and the Lord now. Come on, what's in your hands, sir? What's in your hand, ma'am? Can you still believe that God's going to do it? In the midst of 2020, in the midst of all the turmoil, in the midst of all the chaos and the confusion, can you believe God's going to turn it around in 2021? Can you believe God's still in charge and God is still on the throne? Can you believe God is still a way maker and a door opener? Take what you got and give it to Him. Come on, discouragement has got to go right now. Come on, every bit of discouragement, I command it to leave right now. Every bit of discouragement, I command it to leave this property. Uh, I command it to leave God's people alone. Uh, I rebuke that spirit of discouragement uh, of being wore out and tired. Uh, the Bible says Israel became discouraged because of the way. Uh, listen, we've been enough through enough in 2020. Uh, it can discourage us. Uh, oh, but God wants somebody to know. Uh, discouragement can leave if you'll just give Him what you've got. I was driving down here this afternoon. You know, a lot of times we pray for our faith, Brother Moore. Or like those disciples, Lord, increase my faith. But can I tell you, God prays for your faith also. I was driving down here and I began to just try to put all this in my mind. I was reminded of that story when Jesus tells Peter, Satan hath desired have you that he may sift you as wheat but I prayed for your faith that it fell not it's amazing that Jesus says I have prayed for your faith Peter he didn't pray for Peter's flesh he prayed for Peter's faith because sister Moore, Jesus was smart enough to know your flesh can and will fail As long as your faith doesn't fail, you can get back up, son. What can happen when you've got a God-sized prayer on your faith? He wants to have you, but I've prayed for your faith. You ever thought about it? What happens when God prays for us? What happens when God begins to pray for our faith? Not our flesh. Because just a few days after Jesus tells Peter that, He's warming by the fire. You sound like those guys that walk with Jesus. And the Bible says he cursed. First of all, he denied him. And then he got so mad that he cursed at him. And before that even happened, the Bible says the men came into the garden to take Jesus. Peter draws a sword. Now listen, Peter wasn't that good of an name. He's a fisherman. He wasn't trying to cut that ear off. He was trying to get his head. And he got his ear for his trouble. So Peter goes from almost committing a homicide. He goes to denying Jesus. Then he goes to cursing and saying, I don't even know. And then the Bible says, he says, forget this ministry stuff. He goes back fishing. Without his clothes on. Peter's lost his mind. I mean, you're talking about a bad day, Brother Moore. He says, forget this ministry stuff. I don't want it. Y'all go preach. Y'all go back to fish. But it's amazing that Jesus says, I prayed for your faith, not your flesh. And 50 days after all that goes on, guess where Peter is? He's preaching Pentecost. I mean, he went from trying to kill a guy to denying Jesus and cursing people out and saying, forget the ministry, I'm done with it, Till 50 days later. He says, I'll tell you who Jesus is, that same Jesus whom you crucified. God hath made him both Lord and Christ. Because as long as your faith doesn't fail, your flesh may fail. You may stumble. You may struggle. You may have a hard time here every other day. But I'm telling somebody, as long as your faith does not fail, you can get back up and keep going. And I'm telling somebody in this house, what would happen right now if you got as much faith in your faith as God has in your faith? You've got more faith than you're giving yourself credit for. And I'm trying to quit. I got a five-hour drive home. I'm not trying to believe this. I promise you. But what would happen if we had as much confidence in our faith as God had in our faith? You've got more faith than you give yourself credit for. Well, I just don't have a lot. My faith isn't where it was, but you still got some. And that's all that matters when it comes to God. Lift your hands one more time. I'm done. And one more time, let's earnestly pray. Lord, I'm believing right now as this new year comes in, Lord, I'm believing in weeks from now, there's going to be testimonies of what God you were able to do in this house. There's going to be people that testify and say, God, touch me in that service. Listen, not because of an but somebody understood. Uh, I've got more than enough faith. Uh, I've got all the faith that I need right now. Uh, somebody ought to claim your miracle uh, and somebody ought to claim your healing and your deliverance. Uh, somebody ought to claim that financial miracle coming. Uh, you've got enough. Uh, all you need is faith as the size. Come on, you ought to thank God for it right now if you believe it. Come on, you ought to just praise it to pass right now as Pastor Moore comes. Come on, somebody are praise him. Lord, I'm praising you right now for what you've done. Come on, somebody will giving prophetic praise right now. I don't see it, but I'm going to praise you like you already done it. Come on, God told Joshua, shout because I've given you the city. And the walls are still standing. Sometimes you've got to shout it into existence. You've got to shout the word into pass.
0: Come on, let's give the man of God a good hand tonight for the preaching the word of God to us. My, my, my. Praise God. Praise God all can take a paper clip in the natural begin to trade it off and wind up with a house or do we take the measure of faith that we have here regardless of how small it might we might feel it is tonight but at the end of 2021 yeah. the end of 2021 cause we was willing Amen, to use what we got and let God determine how far that will go. When we put it in His hands and say, And here it is, God, I got faith enough to put it there. But you're going to let it grow and you're going to let it be- mature and you're going to let it become what you desire to be. It's your church, it's your community, it's your business. We're going to believe you tonight. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated.
2: Step out on faith, right here, Brother Sanford, Bendel. We're close, and um, in about seven weeks, come back. We're gonna have a healthy, another little girl here. So when one of us is blessed, six months ago, we got two babies, two weeks apart, and I was doing all right at the beginning of this service until a little carriage come in, and the Lord began dealing with me, and I started crying. We've got us a little baby in this church that the devil's trying to take from us. And I'm not it's not setting well with me at all. So I'm using my paper clip tonight for that baby right there. And Brother Moore's got up here. We had two children that were abducted. We got them back. He stood here on a Sunday night and said, this is what we're going to pray. And we had them back on Monday. Then he stood up here another night and he told us, he said, that um, the court dealing... He said, I don't care what happens. They can have a flat tire. Their car can break down. They went to court, but they sat in the car all day long and never got out of the car. Court was over. People drove off. They were still sitting there. Now, they want to take this baby and give it to a lesbian family, and I can't believe that that's the will of God. God gave us that baby six months ago, and he's still going to be ours in 2021. And that's where my paper clip is going, Sister Jude.
0: right. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. No doubt about it. We end this fight together. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. That's a good place to put it. Who knows? God knows. God knows. We're going to trust Him. We're going to trust Him. God's working this thing out for us. Okay, God bless you. We're going to do something a little different tonight. And, and I caused this maybe. And uh, you don't even have to participate if you don't want to. But we had a little feller all the way from Baton Rouge that missed the birthday deal by one day. One day. One day too late. So I don't even leave Bendel, Mississippi with that attitude in the spirit. I was one day too late. Now, Uncle Braden, y'all don't jump on him. Now, I I caused this. He didn't. After the birthday thing the other night, he come up to me. And he he said, man, I'm going to have my birthday tomorrow. Tomorrow. I said, man, you already got my text. I'm sure we fudged just a little bit. I mean, all the way from Baton Rouge. Well, anyway. So I didn't forget. And I'm I'm sure he hadn't either. (laughs) But we're going to do something a little different tonight. We want him to come. Come on. We're gonna sing "Happy Birthday" to him, and let him hold a basket and just see what we can do for him. Amen. I mean, a nine, nine, right? You're nine there or ten? Nine, nine, turn nine, nine, Monday, and uh, so we're just gonna bless him here tonight. Is that right? What's your name? Mason. Mason, that's right. And you was something. Like that. Anyway, you and God knows that's what in counts. <laughs> and so we're gonna bless him tonight. Amen. And, and, you know, I mean, y'all don't want him to leave Bendale, you know, leaving here thinking I was one day too late. <laughs> no, he's going to go back to Baton Rouge. He may start, you may start a tradition in Baton Rouge. Can you imagine that? You tell your pastor what went on, okay? Nah. <laughs> I may be getting in trouble here. But anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. We're going to bless him name. Let's sing happy birthday to him. I will foretold. Appreciate you. Have you enjoyed the word of God? Yeah. Ah, We have been fed in this house. Thank you so much. Love you. Appreciate you. Don't forget. We changed that from Sunday night. We're not going to do the foot washing. We're not going to do the communion. We're just going to wait. And maybe later on or next year we're going to some of this get behind us. But we will have service Sunday morning, Sunday night. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.